comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Richard, it's good to see you. Would you open us in a word of prayer, please? Please join us in singing hymn number 210, Wonderful Grace of Jesus.
once again, we'll sing hymn number 183, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Hymn number 183, stand in as we sing.
measured out my days. Life carried me along. In my soul I yearned to follow God, but knew I'd never be so strong. I looked hard at this world to learn how heaven could begin. Just to end where I began, where human effort is still in
could stand once again. We'll sing hymn number 51, Where We'll Never Grow Old. Hymn number 51. shines, the night is still, shepherd 
close my eyes to see the night when love was born. A perfect child gently waits. A mother bends to kiss God's face. I close my see the night when love was born. Angels fill the midnight sky and they sing. of peace love come down for you and me heaven's gift a holy spark to light the Close my eyes to see the night when love was born. Sounds like I fall and hit my head every time or something. Well, I am grateful for the opportunity that I get to preach this morning. Um, I'm grateful and honored that Pastor trusted me enough to preach behind this pulpit this morning while he's gone on vacation. Um, we'll be reading out of 2 Samuel chapter 6 today. And I know last Sunday afternoon I read out of, I preached out of 2 Samuel chapter 6 as well, out of the latter portion. But we're going to go back in time a little bit and preach the same chapter just a few verses earlier today. Um, 2 Samuel chapter 6, and if, if, you, if you find your place there, if you could stand if you're able. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, it would be good if I found it as well, since I'm reading it. 2 Samuel chapter 6. I don't know, last week, like I said, we dealt uh, with uh, verse 12 and onward to the end of the chapter with Michael, and um, how her, her bitterness had blinded her to, to rejoicing with the fact that the presence of God was back in Jerusalem. 
We're going to take a few, we're going to start at the beginning of the chapter this time, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, starting in verse 1. And it says again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah, and Uzzah and I was pronouncing it like Ohio, but Ohio, but I think it's Aio or something like that. The sons of Abinadab drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Aio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. Verse 6 says, And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll, we'll get into the message. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity I get to preach this morning. Lord, thank you for uh, the, your, your family, Lord, that you've, your family you've given us, Lord, that we get to gather here together, Lord, in your house this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you, you just uh, give me liberty, Lord, and give me the words that you want me to say, God. And like, um, just pray that you help me, Lord, and guide me, Lord. And this message is totally dependent on you, God. Thank you, Lord, for the music we got to hear already, Lord. I just pray you be with the remainder of the service and with the day. In your name I pray, amen. Maybe see to thank you. Growing up, as a, as, 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 a, as a child, you could say, there were a lot of things, I would use this phrase quite a bit with my parents. That isn't fair, right? Uh, growing up, for, for many children, that's one of their favorite phrases. That isn't fair, or why? That's not fair. Uh, whether it be you see your friends, uh, maybe as a teenager, they, they, they get a cell phone before you do, and you beg your parents for one, and they say, no, you can't have one. You say, that's not fair, or um, you see your friends getting to do things that you can't do, and, and you say, that's not fair. I remember for me specifically, I was the eldest child. Uh, how many of you are the oldest? Okay. Well, I, I, from talking to some older siblings as well, uh, this happens to be a, a pretty reoccurring theme. Is As the oldest, my mom had some special rules for me. I, I had to be in bed by a certain time. I couldn't go to a certain teen activity until I was a certain age. I couldn't go to youth con until I was a certain age. I couldn't watch certain things or do certain things. But it happened to be that, for some reason, unfairly, I would say, those rules only applied to me because as my younger sister and younger brother grew older, and they wanted to stay up longer and eat things they shouldn't and watch things they shouldn't past their bedtime, for some reason, it was totally wrong for me to do it, but they could do it all they wanted to. I remember as a, as a young my mom was very overprotective, you could say. And she wouldn't let me go. I had just joined the youth department. I was so excited to be a teenager, part of the youth group, right? And I was so excited to go to my first teen activity. My mom thought so. My mom wasn't as excited, though. And she told me, you can't go to that. And I said, why? And she said, you're just not old enough. I don't think you're mature enough and old enough to go to that. So I said, I wasn't happy about it. My other friends that were my age were doing it. I just didn't think it was fair, I said. That's not fair. Come to find out, my brother gets to join the, teen, the youth activity uh, the, the youth group, and, and guess what? He's younger than I was, and he got to go to the same activity that I wasn't able to. That wasn't fair. You know, I, there's many, many times in life, I mean, growing up, like I said, as children, that's one of our favorite phases, for phrases. Man, that just isn't fair. Things aren't fair sometimes. And you've heard the phrase, life isn't fair. When we come to our passage here, 
if, if you haven't studied it out very much, you, you see that um, David was trying to do something with the ark, and, and there was a man named Uzzah, and he loses his life. And when you first read this passage, it, it might seem like it just isn't fair. Why did he die? He was just trying to catch the ark. Of course you wouldn't want the ark of the Lord to fall on the ground. That just doesn't sound fair, right? And I'm going to try and explain as to why that just isn't the case in this passage. In fact, it was very much fair that God decided to take the life of Uzzah. At this point, the ark of the Lord had been on what you may call a journey. Um, I'm going to take a. I'm going to. I'm actually going to jump a whole book back to the book of First Samuel, chapter four. You don't have to turn there. I'll just kind of try and summarize, take us to the journey that the ark of the Lord has already been on. And this was back um, before Saul was even anointed king yet. We had Eli. He was the high priest, and his two sons, Hophni and Phineas, uh, they were they were they were to help him with things like that. They were the ones in charge. You could say they were the priests. And um, Israel at this time was, was in war with the Philistines. We know the Philistines, right? They're pretty popular in the Old Testament, especially with David and, and Saul, the Philistines. And at a, at a, they got to a certain point where they were warring against each other. And remember, Eli, Hophni, Phinea, Phinehas, uh, the men that were about to go fight in this next battle against the Philistines, they came up with a plan. They had an idea. They said, you know what? We know what the ark has done for us in the past. Remember, the ark of the Lord was signified the presence of God and his blessings upon their nation. And they said, you know what? We have a perfect idea. Phineas, Hophni, why don't you guys bring the ark from where it's at and bring it amongst our midst when we go to battle the, the Philistines in the next battle? Because we know if the ark is there, we have it in the bag. There's no way we lose with the ark of God being there amongst our presence. They, they thought to themselves, it's an easy win if they can get the ark of the Lord to, to where they were at against the Philistines. So, Hophni and Phinehas, they do that. They, they bring the ark down to where the, the next battle is going to take place, but in a surprising turn of events, guess what? The Israelites lose the battle. It's, it's that, it's that, that's the, in that passage where we see that, that popular verse, I've heard a lot where the, where the Philistines say, get thee up like men and fight. For somehow, for some reason, turn of events, they defeat the children of Israel. At first, the Philistines got scared because they knew the ark of the Lord was coming. But the Philistines were able to overtake Israel. They, they beat them that day. And amongst some of the spoils, you could say, there was the Ark of the Lord. The Israelites ran away and they left the Ark behind. The Philistines took the Ark of the Lord. The, a symbol of the literal presence of God among the nation was left behind. And now it's in the hands of the enemy, the Philistines. So the Philistines take that, sort of maybe in a triumphant, trying to rub it in their face. We have your Ark. What are you going to do now? We overcame their God. And they bring it, uh, they bring it to, to one of their temples, you could say their house. Uh, it says here, uh, they brought it to Ashdod, and they, 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 they brought it to the house of Dagon. It was one of, their, one of their false gods that the Philistines would worship, and they, almost in a way of triumph, they were trying to rub it in. They bring the ark, and they set it in the house of Dagon, this house, this temple dedicated to this false god, and they set the ark of the Lord next to, the, to this image, this statue of their false god Dagon. And uh, can you imagine the party, the victory the Philistines were experiencing? And I, you could say maybe they're shutting stuff down for the day. It was, it was a huge victory. And they come back the next day to the house of Dagon, and they see that the statue, the image of Dagon, had fallen on his face. Almost like he had to worship the one true God. Right? And maybe they're a little bit on edge about that. So 
they, they pick up the, the statue of this false god and they set him up and they, they shut things down again. And the very next day we see that they come in and obviously not a surprise, the statue has fallen over once again. But this time the head and the hands kind of popped off the statue and there he is because God is the one true and only God. And the Philistines, this kind of shakes them to their core, you say, they say, we got to get this, we got to get the ark out of here. Because not only that, but God started uh, cursing uh, um, the, the men there at Ashdod. He started cursing them and they said, you know what? The stuff that happened at the temple is kind of, it's really creepy. Uh, and maybe they got a picture of how powerful this one true God really is. And then God sends a, a curse upon them. They said, get this thing out of here. We got to get this thing out of here right now. So, so they get the ark out of Ashdod. And uh, in fact, they take it to a, a place called Gath. And guess what happens there again? God curses the people of Gath as well. Again, these Philistines are taking this ark away um, from, from their cities. And then it ends up in a place called Ekron. And it's funny because in that passage, when the people of Ekron see that the ark is coming, it's almost like in a way they've heard what's been going on. And they say, what are you guys doing? You're going to kill us all. Why are you bringing the ark of God to our city? Are you crazy? Why are you doing that? And... Um, it seems that they got a picture of how powerful the one true God really is. And they're in Ekron there, and God curses the people of Ekron as well. And they say, enough is enough. We want this thing out of here. We don't want anything to do with this. we got to send this. The, it says that the five lords got together and decided this. we got to send the ark back to where it belongs. We don't, we don't want this anymore. Send it back to the Israelites. Send it back to, the, to our enemy. We don't want this anymore. And it says that they decide we need to send this back. So, so they get the advice of, of specific people like seers and things like that. And, and they say, here's what you need to do. You need to build a new cart. And you've got you to set the ark on the cart. And, and you've got to put a peace offering, you could say, on the, on the cart as well. Send it back. And, and the plan goes even further in a very interesting, um, very interesting plan. Uh, they did this. They took two cows, mama cows, no cows. And they, they, they tied the cart to these two cows. And these cows had never been separated from, from their kids, from their, from their little, their little uh, kid cows, you could say. Um, and uh, they, they, they separated the mama cows from their little kitties, right? From, from, their, little, from their little children, okay? What were they called? Yeah. Calves. There you go. <laughs> I knew there was a word for it. <laughs> so they're calves, right? Uh, they separate them. And uh, they say this. They say, if the mama cows ignore the calves and they head straight to the hills of Judah that we know was of God. And guess what happens? They, they separate the mama cows from their calves, and they, they tie the cart to them, and uh, the cows ignore their children, and they head straight to the hills of Judah, back where the ark belongs, to a place that the cows have never been to themselves. It was God directing them to bring the ark back to where it belonged. God did some pretty powerful stuff there, and it ends up in the house of a man called Abinadab. And that's where it is for a very long time, in the house of Abinadab. Many years pass, and we end up at the passage we read, we read today. Saul was king. He passed off the scene. David is back, and he's, he's, he's like we talked about last week, he's, he's gaining his power, and he, he wants to do something. He's like, we need the ark, we need the presence of God back in our nation. Almost like he's saying, we need a little bit of revival. And, and he decides, we need to bring the ark back. Back where it belongs. Because, yeah, it, it was technically among the nation of Israel, but it wasn't right where it was supposed to be. He wanted it back in his capital. He wanted it to be right where it belongs so that the nation could almost turn back to God. They can reignite their fire to serve the one true living God. And David says, we want to bring the ark back. That was a very good thing, I think. 
Who wouldn't want that? That was a good thing that David wanted to do. He had good intentions. And we see as David sends men to the house of Abinadab, they, they say, you know what, we're taking the ark back to Jerusalem. So, from the house of Abinadab goes two men. We have Uzzah, and we have Aio. Still trying to figure out a way to pronounce his name. Um, and it tells us in the, in the scripture that Aio was, was, leading the, was leading the cart. It was in front of it. He was kind of steering the cows, maybe, or something like that. But, so they come up with a plan. They're, they're going to take the ark back to Jerusalem. So, they build a new cart. And they place the ark of God on there. And Aio is leading, is leading the cart, and Uzzah is kind of in the back, making sure everything is okay. And as, as, as they get on their way, they're, they're, they're taking the ark back to where it belongs. They built a new cart for it and everything. This is, this is exciting. This is awesome. Of course David's going to be rejoicing. The people are going to be rejoicing. It says that they're playing music. All these awesome things. And it says that they come to a threshing floor. And um, I tried to investigate what that meant, and a lot of people come up with different answers. But the best way I can picture it is this. As, 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 as the, the cows were pulling the, the cart, were pulling along, they got to maybe a little area where there was just a little bit of food, and they got a little distracted and, and tried to go after the food, and it kind of shook the cart. And Uzzah, being in the back, he saw that the, that the, the cart began to shake, like the Bible says, and he, he put his hand to stop it. He, he, almost, almost like when you're moving furniture or something, and uh, it begins to shake a little too much, and you better not drop that because you know your mom or your grandma's going to kill you. So you kind of you grab it to keep it from falling down. That's kind of what I'm imagining with Uzzah here. Uh, they, they get to a point, the, arc, the, the cart gets shaken, and the ark on the cart starts kind of shaking around, and Uzzah doesn't want the ark to touch the ground or to fall, so he grabs a hold of it and keeps it from falling, kind of, to kind of settle it down. And it says that God killed him for that. It seems unfair. Why would God do that? Uzzah, you would think, was doing a good thing. And it might seem unfair when you first read that passage. But if you've heard a message on this passage before, if you've studied this out, you see that God killing Uzzah was actually not unfair at all. It was actually called for in a way. We're, I, I want to I I take a look at that here. You see, Uzzah, I said, was from the house of Abinadab. Abinadab, the house of Abinadab, were, were of the tribe, they were Levites. Levites, and more specifically, they were the, the Kehonites, is what, is, what the, is what the Bible calls them. And back in Numbers and Exodus, there's a lot of scriptures that give these, this group of Levites specific instructions. They were tasked with something. And the task that God had given them was to transport the ark from place to place. And God had given them certain instructions on how they were to transport the ark of God. And uh, the ark would have been built in a way that it had rings that you would slide some poles through, and different men of the tribe of Levi would, would pick up the, the, the poles, never touching the ark, because the, another commandment that God to, to, told them in, in Numbers or in Exodus was that they were not supposed to touch the ark at all. They were supposed to carry the ark on their shoulder through these poles that were attached to the ark. That was all they were supposed to touch. And, and this man, Uzzah, belonged to a family that was, that, that was, he was, he was including this family of Levites. That was their job, to, to transport the ark back and forth according to the way that God told them to transport it. So, you say, man, it's kind of unfair that God killed Uzzah for this, right? David had good intentions. He wanted to bring revival back to the nation. Uzzah wanted to do a good thing. He had good intentions. He didn't want the ark of the Lord to fall on the ground. And God killed him. Unfair? No. He knew the way that God had said they were supposed to transport the ark back and forth, and yet he didn't follow it. You say, what do you mean? Well, 
the Bible tells us that they placed the ark, they built a new cart and placed the ark on the cart. And that should have never happened. The way it was supposed to be transported according to the law, according to what God had told them, they were supposed to bear it upon their shoulders and carry it on their shoulders to wherever they were supposed to go. It never had any business being on the ark. Where did they get that idea from? Huh, the Philistines. That's the way the Philistines sent the ark back to Israel. So, David wanted to do a good thing. Uzzah wanted to do a good thing. But their mode of doing it was the way the Philistines did it. And because of that, Uzzah died. He paid the price. Um, here in this, in this um, verse 12 it says, uh, verse 8 I mean it says, And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Paris Uzzah to this day. We see that David was displeased, and he wasn't displeased at God. He wasn't mad at God for killing Uzzah. It's almost like he was just upset at the situation that they found themselves in, that because I didn't do things right as a leader, because Uzzah didn't do things right, his life, he's dead. He's gone. He was displeased at the situation. But praise the Lord, if we, if we turn to a, another passage in First Chronicles, which is the same, it's dealing with the same story here. Um, David, he corrects his wrong. He goes to the Levites and says, okay, we need to do things right this time. Let's, I want to fix my error, and we got to bring the ark of God back the way we're supposed to. Uh, I kind of skipped over it by accident here, but they, they leave the ark in another man's house for three months, and, and this man's house gets blessed for three months. And that's when David goes to the Levites and says, let's do this, let's do this thing right this time. Let's bring, let's bring the ark of God where it's supposed to be the right way. So you say, okay. So yeah, you're right, I guess. You know, God told the Levites how, is it, how it is that they were supposed to carry the ark, to transport the ark. First off, it was never supposed to be on the cart in the first place. That was the Philistines' way of doing it. Secondly, Uzzah never had any business putting his hand on the ark. He was never supposed to touch it. And God tells him these instructions in Numbers and Exodus. So yes, although Uzzah, like you say, he had good intentions, he didn't do it the way God wanted him to do it. And I titled this message, Good Intentions Don't Equal God's Expectations. Uzzah died because he disobeyed what God, told him, what God had told his people to do, what God's command was. And yes, David had good intentions, and Uzzah had the best intentions. He didn't want the ark to touch the ground, but yet because he disobeyed God's, God's command, God took his life. Because good intentions don't automatically equal God's expectations from us. Right? So, how do we apply this to us today? Well, just like David wanted to bring the ark of God back to where it belonged, up to his people, he wanted revival. That's a good thing. He wanted a very good thing. And Uzzah, in this moment, didn't want the ark to fall. That was a good thing. Right? There's good things, good intentions that we may have as believers. There's actually good intentions, good things that everybody in the world wants. They want these good, they have good intentions. But we have to be very careful about something. That these good intentions, these good things that we want, are done God's way. You see, the nation of Israel had loaded up the ark on the cart, and they learned that from the Philistines. It was a good thing to get the ark back where it belonged, but their mode of doing it was borrowed from the Philistines. You could say it was borrowed from the world. You say, okay. I'll, I'll go deeper in this, I guess, right? Man, everybody wants to have a good family. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. That's a good intention to have. And the world, they have what, they ha they have what their idea is of raising a good family, of what a good family looks like. But we as believers know that God has told us what it looks like 
to have a good family. And what it requires us to be as a, as a leader, to have a good family, to rear a good family. But you could say, I want to have a good relationship, a good marriage relationship. The world wants that too. That's a good thing. That's a good intention. And many times, we'll take those books that the world has written up for us, and this is how you have a good marriage, when the whole time, God has given us in His Word what a good marriage looks like. And yes, it's okay to want those great things. It's okay to want a good family, a good marriage, to raise good kids, to have a good job, to be successful in life. Those are good things, good intentions. But the problem is, when God's children start trying to reach those good intentions, start trying to make those good things come about the way the world does those things. But God says, no, as, a, as my child, I've given you instructions on how to get to those places. Yes, that might be a good idea, that might be a good thing, you might have great intentions, but tell you what, don't disobey what I've told you to do. Obey the, what I've written to, for you to do. A perfect, I think, illustration of this, and a great segue, you could say. Um, well, before I get that to that, though, I can't get too ahead of myself here. Is, uh, I, I, like, I like this. I thought of this the other night because my wife and I were, were rearranging some stuff around the house. I don't know if every woman does this. I know some guys that do this too. I didn't ask your permission to use her as an illustration, but I'm going to. But we were, we were wanting to move a desk, right? A desk to a different area of the room. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to use this yet. Um, and <laughs> this, is, this is how somebody who won't be named measured that, right? So you walk up to the desk. It has to go on that side of the room. Yeah, that should fit, right? <laughs> My thinking is, I could have just borrowed this and measured the exact length of that piece of furniture and seen if it would have fit. Because guess what? It didn't fit. <laughs> okay? You say, that's a funny illustration. Yeah, I've seen that. Okay, well, here's the thing. When we have good intentions, we want a good thing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. But the problem is that the way the world offers, the way that world says to do things, it doesn't measure up to what God says is the right thing to do, is the right way to do that thing. And you say, okay, real world, real, real world scenario here. Man, there is part of the world that believes in the afterlife, and they're scared of it. And you know what? It's a good thing for them to be worried about that. And the world says, if you're good, you can make it to heaven. The world says, if you give this church your money, you can make it to heaven. The world says, if you do this, if you do this, this, and this, you can make it to heaven. If you say this prayer, you can make it to heaven. But it doesn't match up to what God says is the only way to make it to heaven. And that's through Jesus Christ. And I wouldn't want to waste this opportunity. On a Sunday morning, we might have a visitor, maybe somebody who's struggling with this, is that the world tells you there's a way for you to get to heaven, but God says that doesn't match up to what I said is the only way to get to heaven. And that's through my son who died on the cross for your sins. You can't do anything to save yourself. Jesus Christ is the only way. And, he, and once you are saved and you become his child, there's many good things we want throughout this life. We want a good family. We want a good marriage. We want all these good things. These are good intentions, just like David. But many times, we'll borrow the, 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 the philosophy and we'll borrow the plans that the world has to offer and try to reach this good thing, when all along we're ignoring the fact that God told us how to do it in his word already. 
and you say, man, I want, I want to have good kids. I want to raise a good family. And the world says, spend every weekend, every waking moment you can over the weekend with them and, and, and devote all your time to them and never tell them no, never set your foot down with them because that way your kids will love you and you won't lose them. But God says, no, set your foot down. Teach them to love me. Get them involved in church. Show them that, show them that the work of the Lord is something to be excited about. That's the way you have a family, that, that, a good family. And many times the Christians will ignore what God had says and they'll follow the philosophy that the world has to offer on how to have a good family. Or you say, I want to have a good marriage. And the world has plenty of books on how to have a successful marriage. And yet the whole time God told us, uh, husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church and wives submit to your husbands. And yes, we want to be successful. That's a good thing. And yes, the world has many ideas of what true success is and many ways of doing it. And as Christians, we buy into that philosophy and we say, I don't have to go to church because I chase after the success. And God says, you want to be successful? Then give your life to me and I'll give you the success that you want. There's a lot of good things that we want. We have a lot of good intentions, but many times we borrow the philosophy of the world to try and get to those good intentions, to to those good things, And we ignore what God had told us already to do in his word. So you say, what's the charge today? uh, this, This message went by a lot quicker than I was thinking. But the charge today is this. It's good to have good things you want to reach in life. It's good to have good intentions. Yes, those are things that believers and non-believers have. But don't fall for for, for the lies. Don't, Don't... I, can I say this? I, I just Brother Gus has preached this in the past when we talk about it, and he, he said this. He said, don't, don't build another cart. That's the way the Philistines did it, right? No. Rather, turn to what God said, and those good intentions, those good things you want in life, turn to how God says to obtain them, and he will bless you. That's what David wanted. David wanted blessings from the Lord. That's how they were going to bring the ark back to Israel, back to Jerusalem. That was a good thing. And many times, we're chasing after these good things, these good intentions that we wonder, why is God not blessing me? I heard that if you, if you chase after these things, God will bless you. Well, the reason is this, that you're not doing it the way God wanted you to do it. You're not obeying what he told you. So the challenge is this. It's okay to have good things, to have good intentions, to want good things in life. But be careful not to let the way of the Philistines, the way of the world, influence how you do those things. Rather, turn to what God had said about a loving family a good family, a good marriage, raising good kids, being a good person in general. Turn to what God had says rather than looking at the Philistines and building a new cart for yourself. Because you know what? The way, they do, they, the way that they do things never matches up to how God said to do things. So the challenge is this. Get in your word. God has told us the way we're supposed to do things what our marriage is supposed to look like, what kind of Christian we're supposed to be, what kind of personal life we're supposed to have, how we're supposed to love our spouses, how we're supposed to be involved in church, and learn, learn from the Word of God how He wants you to do it and obey it. Walk with God and, and just, just ask Him to, to guard your heart against the, the ways that, that the Philistines that the world has to offer. And like I, like, I, like I mentioned a little bit ago, is that you might be sitting here and, and the world has many ways to offer you salvation, you could say, at the end of your life. But God says there's only one way to get saved, and that's through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who paid the price on the cross for our sins. And, and if you're struggling with that this morning, don't fall for the, for the carts that the world is trying to shove your way, trying to get you, 
be secure in, in eternity in, in your good works or in paying money to a certain institution, none of that. No, God says the answer is right here. Ask somebody about it. We'll be willing to share that with you. And, and if you are a child of God, and maybe there's, there's some, some things that you've been doing wrong, you, 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 you look back in your life right now, maybe in your heart you're recognizing, man, I'm building carts. I'm doing things the, the, world, the way the world says I should do things. Well, David turned it around. Yeah, he regretted what happened with Uzzah, but in First Chronicles we see that, in the next, that um, after this, David went to the Levites and said, how do we do things right? He fixed it, and guess what? They got the ark where it belonged. They got the blessing of God back upon their nation, back to their people. So no, it's not too late for you to, you could say, destroy those carts, for you to get rid of those things. So don't do it the way the world tells you is the only way, is the only way to do it. Rather, do it like God says to do it. Obey what he has given you in his word. Obey what he tells you in your daily walk with him. Because again, the way that they offer to do things never lines up to what God says is the right way to do things. Go ahead and um, pray real quick. And Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day of life you've given us, Lord. And I just thank you for this, might be short, but simple and guided truth, Lord, that um, we are going to want good things in life. And many times we fall for the trap that um, the world tells us this is the way to attain those things. But I just pray you help us as your children to remember, Lord, that you've already given us, Lord, the, the commandments and the expectations as to how we're supposed to obtain those things. So I just pray that you help every Christian here this morning to turn their hearts back to the things that you have commanded, the things you expect from us, and help us to guard against the, the carts of this world that this world has to offer. And if, if anybody is here, Lord, and is struggling with their salvation, and maybe they fall and pray, to, to these um, false carts of the world telling them you can get saved in different ways, Lord. I just pray that you convict their heart, prick their heart, Lord, and I just pray they get it settled here, Lord, by accepting your Son as their Savior. Thank you for this morning, and Lord, I just pray you, you, you move in hearts the way you need to. Let me pray, amen. Let me stand as they play.
another service at one. So we're excited about that. Uh, Brother Gus will be preaching this afternoon, so we can pray for him. Um, it was a good day to be in the Lord's house. I know pastor's gone on vacation, but it's still, it's still awesome to be here. So just pray for him as well as they travel back on Tuesday. Lord willing, they come back. And um, it's just some points of interest here. It says ladies meeting again October 19th at 6.30. And we have Brother Joel Travis being with us October, Wednesday, October 25th. I'm excited about that. We have our teen activity Friday, October 27th. Uh, Drop-off time, 8 p.m. Pick-up time, 8 a.m., please. And then we have the Fall Praise, Praise Festival at Foster Farm. It'll be Saturday, October 28th at 5 p.m. And then we have our teen fundraiser coming up at the end of the month. And there will be a sign-up sheet on the back table for food to provide. Uh, just the, those two prayer requests that I mentioned earlier, uh, Be with uh, you can be in prayer for Miss Dixie Hope. She has surgery on coming up on Monday, tomorrow. And then Brother Beaver's dad, as they're moving him to a facility, you can just be in prayer for, for the family and for wisdom and guidance. Uh, Brother Stephen, can you go ahead and lead us in prayer?